Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, the home of happy parents and healthy teens. I'm your host, Dr. Jessica Peck, pediatric nurse practitioner, nursing professor, and mom of four teens. I'll serve as your expert guide to engage, equip, encourage, and empower you to navigate life's toughest issues with your teens. We will explore health impacts and home strategies to create a safe space in an unsafe world. My co-host for this series will be Pastor Brian Haynes, who will guide us through the spiritual impacts and help us grow our faith. Let's explore conversation keys together and get started. Welcome to episode 12 of the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, Gender Identity, How to Respond with Compassion and Kindness. I hope you have your copy of Behind Closed Doors, a guide to help parents and teens navigate through life's toughest issues. We are talking about book chapter 11 today. You know, as I was writing this book, to be very honest, which I know you know I am by now, I thought this chapter would be the most contentious or controversial. I was wrong about that, and it surprised me. As I've been doing a media tour, I can say, though, that this chapter has generated the most questions. It's shown me people are genuinely curious and simply don't understand this if they've never lived it or seen anyone live it up close and personal. In addition to many questions, I've also seen a lot of fear surrounding this chapter. Parents are genuinely terrified their child will experience gender confusion or dysphoria or, frankly, that they will come out to them as identifying as another gender. The thought-provoking thing is that when I hear parents express their fear— Their fear is deeply based in anxiety about what other people would think of their child and fear of the stigma, shame, and abuse they may receive from others. It is fear of being cut off from their social circles, fear of losing friends, fear of being kicked out of their youth group at church, fear of social rejection, fear of judgment. Let's let that sink in a little bit. The questions I get here are not fear of struggling with gender identity, but how that struggle will be interpreted by the world. When you've never known a kid who has personally struggled with gender or really any other issue we've discussed for that matter, it's very easy to discuss this in the abstract. Let's think back to that time before we were parents and we judged other parents. Okay, I'll go first. As a pediatric nurse practitioner who did not have children yet, I was very competent. I knew the book knowledge. Oh, listen, I was never going to be that parent to let my kid co-sleep. Never. I was going to read to my child every day. I was only going to serve healthy homemade baby food. Pacifiers? Mm, Those were for lazy parents, frankly. My baby was going to be on a schedule. My child would never, ever have a meltdown in public. Oh, how little I knew. Enter my first baby, who had colic like nothing I'd ever experienced. If she wasn't asleep, she was crying, and she was almost never asleep. I found myself 
in a pit of despair. I rearranged my furniture so I could literally push a stroller in a circle around my house all day, every day. I tried everything, even the things I told parents never to do. I tried herbal remedies. I sat on top of the dryer. I went for 3 a.m. car rides. I never slept. I never ate. And most of all, I never went anywhere. One day, when my daughter was about six weeks old, I had the courage to venture out to my family baby shower. Out of obligation, mainly, there were questions swirling about my absence and people not seeing the baby. And predictably, as soon as we arrived, my baby started to cry and cry and cry and cry. A well-meaning relative took her out of my arms and tried to soothe her without success. She asked me innocently, what's wrong with her? The answer I gave crushed my soul as it left my lips. I don't know. How could I not know what was wrong with my own child? I would have done anything to fix it, but I was completely lost. My relative then said to me, well, you're her mom. It's your job to figure it out. And you will. I know she meant this as a kindness and an encouragement, but it broke me. I quickly gathered my baby, sobbed my heart out on the way home, and stayed there for four months until the colic had passed. I hid. My mission in life was to protect my baby from people who would think there was something wrong with her, who would see her crying and would see her as annoying or undesirable. Honestly, that still brings back fresh emotions to this day for me. Now, don't get me wrong. I am in no way trying to compare gender identity to colic, so let's just get that straight. What I'm saying is that, as parents, it's easy for us to cast judgment when we haven't walked in someone else's shoes. It's easy to keep your feelings about a social or health issue in nice, neat categories that are clearly labeled and black and white. Families walking this road will tell you It's much more complex than that. Seeing teens identify as a variety of genders is something I see in my clinical practice literally every single day. As parents, we want the best for our kids, and we tend to view things through an idealistic lens, what we want things to be. As a nurse, I am faced every day with the reality of what is in front of me. Behind closed doors, I see families every single day struggling with this issue. Parents desperately want to do the right thing, but they don't know what the right thing is. And while they are trying to figure it out, the world is in a screaming match, arguing right over their heads, assigning blame and casting judgment and casually throwing around terms like child abuse and deviant. And so these families hide. They hermit. They fear. This is a road that is almost unbearable to walk alone. That's why for this chapter, I wrote a devotional about Hagar and her distress in feeling alone and abandoned. If you are a parent whose child is struggling, you cannot do this alone. 
You need a trusted team to help you walk through this place. You need a safe place for transparency, encouragement, health care, counseling, spiritual guidance, prayer, and social support. Families who are struggling are very real people with very real needs, and there is no magic cure that is going to immediately fix all of everything. These are things that require a team-based approach with a very individualized, personal approach. Your teen needs you to cultivate a team that is going to support you as a family unit to walk through life's challenges. That includes a healthcare provider, other trusted adults who love your teen as much as you do, nurturing a friend group that will edify and uplift. It may include counselors, teachers, or coaches. Very importantly, teens need spiritual nurturing and connection to a community of faith. They need to see you living out your faith at home. Faith is caught, not taught. Faith is messy and imperfect and filled with struggles. Don't be afraid to be authentic in sharing your faith journey. It will help for your teen to have connection to trusted spiritual leaders who will help walk families slowly and carefully through these tough issues. The latest Gallup poll tells us about 11% of Gen Z identifies as gender nonconforming. While this number is higher than any previous reporting or in any previous generation, the numbers tell us that most parents are not going to experience their teen disclosing a different gender or sexual identity to them. But most parents will help their teen navigate situations in which they will encounter people in their social circle who do. Parents need to help their teens to confidently navigate those situations with kindness and compassion while holding confidently to their values. The good news here is that despite popular opinion, teens really do value what you as their parents think and say. That's why we have to weigh our words carefully, because our teens listen intently to what we say about them. And most importantly, they believe us. Many times I hear parents say, this is against our spiritual beliefs. And that is a very real concern. However, consider this. Many of the issues we have discussed in this journey are against your spiritual beliefs. However, that fear seems to hold this particular subject hostage in a more serious way and assumes a simple answer of saying it's wrong will resolve complex issues. It won't. Many kids I see with gender issues have significant mental health concerns. Their risk for depression, anxiety, self-harming, and suicide are astronomically higher. These are the facts everyone can agree on, regardless of argument about the cause. Kids who are struggling need a holistic approach to manage their mental health, to even be in a place to have therapeutic conversations. Most parents listening here will not experience their child coming out, per se, but they will all have questions about how to handle themselves when facing situations in everyday reality. The most important thing you can do as a parent is invest in relationship building with your teen. 
Teens who have good relationships with their parents are happier and healthier. They make better grades. They have a lower risk for substance abuse, self-harm, risky sexual behaviors, and other potentially harmful health choices. I often meet families at these kinds of points of crisis in clinical practice who never saw it coming. How we as parents respond in those moments can permanently shape our teens' view of themselves and their world. Practicing this simple response is very helpful. This news is upsetting. I have questions. Let's let our emotions settle before we have a conversation, and we're probably going to need some help. But I want you to know that no matter what, I love you, and we will find a way through this together. It's time to welcome back Pastor Brian to the show, pastor of Bay Area Church and Bay Area Christian School in League City. Brian, welcome back. Thank you. Well, today, uh, there we're going to talk about another tough issue, nothing new here. And I think probably people are waiting with bated breath to see what are we going to say about this? <laughs> and I think there have been many, many heated debates about issues of gender and the rightness or the wrongness of positions. And there are plenty of podcasts you can go out there and listen and hear that. But today, I want us to take the conversation in a different direction because parents are talking about this. We have this national, heated, frankly, uncivil conversation in this space. And I want to talk about how can we talk about these things with our teens while being kind and compassionate to those with whom you may passionately disagree. Mm. Again, very hard conversation, I think, um, to weigh into. And I'm really glad that we are. One of the things that I think about all the time as a pastor and a parent is anytime I address these issues in mass uh, or with my family, we're living in a world now that everybody at least knows somebody who is struggling in the area of identity and sexuality. Um, probably in your family, uh, definitely in your church, um, but your workplace, your community, you know, whatever. This is a very real struggle on a daily basis for people and people are passionate about it. And, and so am I. Mm. Uh, I have clear uh, understandings from the scripture about what God's design is and, and all of that. But I have to, if I want to connect with people and love people like I think Jesus would love people and help my kids do the same thing. I have to take a step back and realize that typically behind those issues of identity particularly, there is some level of hurt or experience that is the precursor to all of that identity issue. Um, identity issues can come out in lots of different ways. It could be gender identity, but, but it could be a lot of different ways identity issues come out. We see that in, in people, but usually behind a gender identity issue or confusion, there is hurt. And so what I want to do as a pastor and as a parent leading my kids, and if it was one of my kids, is to remember what came before this 
to think about what came before this and offer compassion to that to begin with. Uh, listen, learn, discover what that thing is and offer compassion to that. I, th I think is paramount in one-on-one -on -one situations and relationship. I think it's important for us to teach our kids and our, our churches. Uh, there's an experience behind this issue. That is so wise and so true and very consistent with my experience as a healthcare provider. A lot of times kids who are coming in struggling with their identity in whatever way that looks like, they have anxiety or depression or trauma. And we tend to impersonalize those discussions when we're having them in a public forum. And I think that we forget that these are real families mm -hmm. with real needs in real time. This is not a political football that we're throwing back and forth. These are real people. Mm -hmm. And so how can we, and I know that as, as a family struggle with this, there are a lot of Christian families who have widely differing views across the spectrum, how to handle social situations. Like if you have a family member or if you have a friend, um, you know, whether you're going to engage in certain social situations and that list goes on and on and each situation is unique. But really, I think the important question and greater above all of that is how do we have meaningful dialogue with our teens to establish our core family values that our teens feel empowered to act on? Mm -hmm. So in our house, in our home, in our family, we, we talk about the difference between normalizing something and having compassion for someone. So because we have a biblical worldview in our home, we are going to embrace what the scripture says about God's design for identity, for gender, all of that. Um, but the world doesn't. My friends, my kids have friends who don't. Uh, we have friends who don't. And so how do you engage that with your kids? And what we say, Angela and I have said all the time, is we don't, the whole world is normalizing this issue. But from a biblical worldview, biblical standpoint, it's not normal. And so we don't want to normalize it, but we want to have compassion for it. Uh, and otherwise, in other words, not ostracize or isolate uh, from people who are struggling with these particular issues, but have compassion in such a way that we still engage in relationships as healthy, uh, in healthy ways. We still love people, even though they are choosing a particular way of living and expressing their identity. We don't change uh, what we believe about the truth, uh, but we do engage. Uh, and I think what happens most of the time is pe people polarize one direction or an another. They either are hardcore uh, you, you know, we're going to isolate and not have anything to do with those people, whether those people are evangelicals who are saying, you know, you, you can only be man or woman, you have no choice, or those people who are saying, no, we have freedom to, to discern our own identity apart from biology. Uh, I, I think Jesus said, I know he said in the mm -hmm. Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God and daughters. The only way 
to help someone understand their true identity is if people of God will offer uh, peace that comes from God to a person. And you can't do that outside of relationship. There's no possible way. I can't preach a sermon that's going to fix that. I have to walk with someone through that. They have to know that I love them no matter what. And uh, I have to offer my help, my hope that I have in the context of my own life. Um, so it's complicated. It's, it's, it's committing for the long haul. And we are teaching our children um, this is not normalized in the context of our biblical worldview, but our biblical worldview does drive us toward compassion and helping people. And so it is a tension. Every family is going to have to navigate. That's how we navigate it. That's a great way to put it. It is a tension. Mm -hmm. It is a, a push and a pull uh, that's very dynamic. And something that you said reminded me, of course, of the verse in Deuteronomy about, you know, talk about these things as you walk along the road. Mm -hmm. And this is not a one-time conversation where you call a family meeting in the living room and say, okay, guys, here's our family values and here's the rules and here's what we're going to do. If you want your child to have a biblical worldview, you have to have a village. You have to have a structure around them. And so as we close out this conversation, can you talk about um, those pieces, just making this a way of living and not something you do, but something is how you are? Yeah, well, I, I think you said it right, um, that you really have to have a community of people around you that share a biblical worldview um, and the ability to love well outside of the church and inside of the church when people are struggling with identity issues. Um, it's unique for someone to exhibit truth and demonstrate truth and love to this particular issue. And so when we see that, we wanna point that out to our kids and we wanna surround them with other people that can walk in the world, in the culture that we live in, uphold the truth in love. And uh, usually um, what I notice is people bring truth with a level of meanness and really, uh, outside of uh, outside of the body of Christ itself, Jesus was prophetic with the body of Christ, but with the world, he gave them truth in love, often, all the time. And so, I think that's the model that we have to follow. And uh, it's it may be uncomfortable uh, for some people, but I think that uh, you're not compromising. You're Christ-like when you do that. Oh, such good words of wisdom, as always, delivered with grace and truth. Pastor Brian, this is a tough issue that we are learning more about every day and wrestling with, and uh, it's really good to know that we're not alone. That's right. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. That concludes this episode. We hope you join us next time. Here's your homework. 
read chapter 11 of Behind Closed Doors and do all the activities. Your legacy letter is a top 10 things I love about you list. So fun. Find me on Spotify and check out the I Am Not Alone themed playlist. Last, subscribe at drnursemama.com to access all the resources waiting just for you. I'll see you next time on the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, home of happy parents and healthy teens. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Nurse Mama show. Connect with us online at drnursemama.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Nurse Mama. You can find Pastor Brian at brianhaines.org or on Facebook at Dr. Brian Haynes. Tune in next time and invite a friend.